Get ready for Crack the Customer Code, your audio guidebook for creating incredible customer journeys. Jeannie. Yes, sir. Would you consider our podcast iconic? Hmm. Yes, I would. Now we need dramatic cinematic music coming up in the background. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, you know, that's one of the interesting things about today's customer experience landscape is one, how do you distinguish yourself? And two, how do you truly become iconic? Right. And there, we talk about iconic Mm -hmm. brands, things like Apple, um, Amazon, all the, all these kind of marquee names that everyone knows and that everyone has their own brand, you know, proposition for, so to speak. Uh, but they still have one. Right. And, uh, our guest today is truly the master of this concept of distinction. He's been talking about it for years, uh, Scott McCain, and he has a new book called Iconic, which really delves into this intersection with customer experience. Yes. I I think this is one of my, this is like, if if we had an Alleluia choir in the background, <laughs> they would have said Alleluia <laughs> a lot during this interview. <laughs> in fact, we might need that for next time. <laughs> That sounds Sounds like a good investment Uh, for our podcast, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, it has to be live, right? right? It can't just be like a clip. We're going to have a choir at your house and at mine. (laughs) Why not? Why not? This this will go over well with the spouses. (laughs) It's it's not enough to be like, you have to be quiet for the next three hours. I'm recording. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) By the way, there's going to be a choir in the living room. Well, okay. I think we've officially veered off topic. Yes, here. but I, I, my point, of course, is that a lot of what Scott covers here, and a lot of what he talks about in his book, Iconic, is about this idea of how we, there is kind of a formula to things, but it still takes creativity. It still takes these, you know, kind of special magic things to happen as well in order to be iconic. But there really is a way to do it right, and that's what I love about what he talks about and how it intersects with customer experience. 100%. And speaking of distinction, Scott's bio is actually pretty distinctive. And uh, we tend to cut our bios down pretty short, but Scott had so many cool, unique things that this one's (laughs) going to be a little bit longer because he's done so much and accomplished so much. And some of it's really cool. So what do you say? You Nobody tune out. I'm ready, but nobody tune out for this bio because it is really fascinating. So listen up. <laughs> so that so the implication was that if somebody had to listen to me speak for a long time, they would tune out. <laughs> which, by the way, Scott McCain has one of the best voices in the business. He's got like a true radio yes, voice, does. which is fantastic. Okay. Yes. I, I do not, but I'm going to do my best to muddle through this. Scott McCain <laughs> is a globally recognized authority on how iconic organizations and professionals create the distinction required to attract and retain customers and employees, and to stand out in a hyper-competitive marketplace. His latest book, Iconic, How Organizations and Leaders Attain, Sustain, and Regain the Highest Level of Distinction, was recently released to rave reviews. Scott's expertise has been quoted multiple times in USA Today, The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and International Herald Tribune. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the governor, I'll be back, (laughs) booked him for a presentation at the White House, with the president in the audience, and this is where it gets really fun. Scott played the villain in a movie named by the esteemed critic Roger Ebert as one of the 50 greatest movies in the history of cinema. The funny part is when you meet Scott, he is the furthest thing from a villain you will ever meet. I, <laughs> He's like the nicest, <laughs> very true. the nicest guy. 
And you know who knows that? The companies he's worked with, because he has a client list that represents the world's most distinctive companies, Apple, SAP, Merrill Lynch, BMW, Cisco, CDW, Fidelity, John Deere, and hundreds more. Scott was honored with induction along with Zig Ziglar, Seth Godin, Dale Carnegie, and just 20 more in the Sales and Marketing Hall of Fame. And of course, he is a CPAE. That is a Professional Speaking Hall of Fame. Scott is broadly recognized as one of the most iconic platform presenters in the world, moving his hometown of Crothersville, Indiana, to recently announce that they are renaming the community's main street as Scott McCain Way. Welcome, Scott. We're so thrilled that you could join us today. Thanks for being here. I'm I'm honored you to ask, Jeannie. Thank you. It's great to be with you and Adam today. Thanks so much. Scott, so awesome to have you on the show. I am excited. You've got a new book out, all kinds of great stuff. And I want to jump right in because one of the things about your message, you've been talking about distinction for years, how organizations, individuals can use distinction to separate themselves from the pack. Now, in your new book, Iconic, you seem to be making this case that And forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but that all organizations are sort of tending towards uniformity, that they there's these three destroyers of differentiation that we all have to guard against or it's going to happen to us. So how is this true for organizations and how is it also true for individuals within organizations? Well, that's a great question, Adam. I I appreciate you picking up on that because it, you know, one of the things I think we typically do in, in any business is to benchmark ourselves against our specific competition. You know, if, if I have a dry cleaners, I'm, I'm checking out what the dry cleaners down the street's doing. If I got a car dealership, I want to see what the dealership down the road is doing. And, and the fact is the customers don't evaluate us in that manner. Customers evaluate us against the totality of experiences that they have. And, and so it means our competition, regardless of what we do, is Rich Carlton or it's Lexus or it's any place that a a customer has a chance to receive this extraordinary type of customer experience. So what happens is when we just compare ourselves to our competition and, and they're comparing themselves to us, we, we kind of regress to the mean, so to speak. In other words, we, we end up being fairly similar and fairly average. And I, I think we do the same in our personal professional lives. You know, we kind of benchmark ourselves against who else is at our level in the organization rather than saying, what, what could we really do to, to make a difference? What could we do to stand out and move up? Because it's, it's just so challenging now. And I, you know, it's, a, it's a cliche, but it's more challenging than it's ever been. And that's why we have to find the strategies that fight these destroyers of differentiation and, and really help us stand out in the marketplace. You know, it's interesting. There's been a lot of research in social psychology sort of outside of the business uh, sphere where people's happiness is often pegged to where they fall in their neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Right. So right, it doesn't matter how much they make. It matters how much they make relative to all the people around them. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're not just talking about, you know, financial success or anything like that, but I think that's really interesting. Your point about, you know, progressing to the mean. But th- thanks. I mean, it is interesting, isn't it? How I, I, I noticed this, uh, I, I had a long drive uh, yesterday and I noticed how even on on an interstate highway, we kind of associate with a pack, right? We kind of get in this little pack <laughs> of cars, and and we keep we same people keep passing us, and we keep passing the same people, and and it's 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 all about what's happening right there in our our little group. And mm-hmm. and if we really look at the individuals and the organizations who have been able to set themselves apart, it's it's not because they're constantly trying to be like the competition. 
It's because they're finding a way to make a difference. I mean, in, in recorded history, no customer has ever said, I love doing business with those guys because they're exactly like everybody else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that well, becomes our challenge to differentiate. And I, I loved you and I might be paraphrasing now, but, but uh, you said something about like the destroyers of distinction. And first of all, that's the next Avengers movie, I think. So just I'm gonna put that out there. <laughs> that's a great subtitle for an Avengers. I never thought of that, Jenny. That's great. I love it. I'm calling Marvel as soon as we yeah, hang up. Please do. Please do. Um, so, but the destroyers of distinction, it's so interesting, a turn of phrase, because when you think about it, like being distinct is actually stepping out and being separate. But at the same time, like the sameness of it all can be soul crushing, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. and I think when we talk to leaders and all three of us have had this experience where you talk to leaders about this idea of, you know what, it's not that you are really, um, it's not that you are really out there in a way that is bad. It's just that you're not really doing anything to, um, to differentiate, to make yourself yeah. distinct, all of these things. And so why is it so hard for them to see that? Why do you think business leaders do not recognize this problem overall? That's because a, we've all heard question. that. I, I, and I think there are several factors at play, but, but let's let's talk about two. One is that we, we fail to realize that familiarity, you know, I, I, my mom always used to say familiarity breeds contempt. It was the old cliche. Mm -hmm. And with all due respect to mom, it, it's not true. Familiarity doesn't breed contempt. You know, the more I do business with you, it doesn't mean I hold you in scorn. Uh, familiarity <laughs> breeds complacency. Yep. I, I, I take you for granted. And, and the, the uh, you know, the opposite is true as well. It, it seems like the places where I'm the best customer they start taking my business for granted, right? I, I take their level of service for granted. They take my, and, and so then then something that has some type of, of meaningful differentiation becomes that shiny new object and I become attracted to it. So we, we, we fail to keep it fresh. We think, well, it's always worked. Why would we change? But the second thing is, that I, I think if we also think about it in terms of how many leaders are compensated, it, it's on what have you done for me lately? You know, mm -hmm. many CEOs are compensated based upon what the stock price is for this quarter, not in terms of long-term thinking about enhancing the customer experience. We, we compensate salespeople on commission based on closing the deal rather than establishing relationships that will bring that customer back over and over and over again. So it, the, the companies that, that break out of that, you know, they're able to think long term in terms of how we serve our customers. How do we compensate people and reward people based on ongoing relationships more than just, you know, one time purchases? Those are the things that I'm seeing with with organizations then that develop the culture and the mindset that it takes to create the kind of meaningful distinction that has traction with customers. And we're really, I mean, you're really yeah. talking about that difference between a transactional approach and a relational approach. With that, with that last comment. Yeah, oh, exactly, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even if you look at what's happening so much, um, I, I, I do, one of my, my great clients is, is Porsche, and they're even developing a subscription model where you pay per month and you can pick up a different car periodically, right? <laughs> so it's not like you're going to buy Think a car. Think about the fun. <laughs> Wouldn't it? I mean, is that incredible? Hey, this month we're going to need to haul some stuff. So we're going to, you know, we're going to get the Cayenne this month. Oh, well, mm -hmm. next month we're taking the kids to 
Disney World. So we're going to get a Panamera uh, next month. And then the month after that, hey, you know, my, my partner and I are going to go for this great drive. So we're going to get a 911. I mean, it's unheard of, but but mm-hmm. that's that is a model that we're moving towards. And it's it, it's not just it's not just in terms of software. That's kind of where it got started. But but we're finding ways to create subscription models in everything that we do. So that means our product not only has to be continually interesting, but the experience that we deliver has to be continually interesting, compelling, and intriguing to customers. And and we're not we're not set up to do that. I mean, I'm on my soapbox here, but I, I have a doctor friend who has talked to me about the fact that at many medical schools, you can graduate, you can become a physician, you can become a doctor and have never taken a course on bedside manner. You can graduate and get an MBA and have never taken a course on creating a compelling customer experience. So what we've done is to train in, 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 I don't want to say exactly the wrong things, but, but without looking at what really matters for today's economy and, and, and for the model of business for the future. I, I find that totally true. And in fact, if you look at most business plan templates, they don't mention customers. <laughs> they mention, <laughs> yeah, they mention acquisition and sales and revenue and all these things, but they don't actually mention that. And, you know, what, one of the things that you mentioned about doctors, one of the things I've said is that we train them as scientists and then we wonder why they don't have empathy. Because we don't include that as part of the equation of of succeeding in that environment. So I and some really amazing places are doing things about that. So I don't want to throw the entire healthcare industry (laughs) over the fence there. But I think that it's such a great point to kind of underline because we often don't see the forest for the trees when we're talking about these things. And that's why what you're talking about, what you're writing about is so important. And I hope everybody just takes it all in because it's it's a message they need to hear, in my humble opinion. I will now get well, off my no, soapbox. Well, I, ask, I actually want to ask a follow-up question <laughs> sure. that's based on this because you've really got me thinking about the psychology of this. And one of the things about distinction and the way I'm sort of viewing it, I guess, and you can help clarify it, is it's more risky, right? I mean, it's always safe to be part of the pack, right? Nobody, nobody ever got fired for hiring IBM was the old saying, right? Right. So, but- a lot, a lot of people uh, didn't do well by hiring the wrong company to uh, do their consulting or do their infrastructure or whatever it might be. So is there a organizational, a psychological resistance to some of these principles? Because you've been talking about this for years. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and that's a great point, Adam. I, you know, I looked at uh, the, the newspaper on, on the day that we're recording this and Headlines are about you know the failure of Sears and the decline of GE and and these companies that we always thought of as being you know truly iconic and I I, I think a lot of this goes back to uh, the the research that Clayton Christensen did at Harvard on the innovator's dilemma right once we innovate then what happens is the systems kick in to protect and and enhance and exploit in a, in a positive sense that innovation. And it, it's part of what prevents us from, from doing something really different and really intriguing. I mean, it, as crazy as it sounds, isn't it interesting that Nokia and Motorola were working on mobile phones 24-7, 365, and then Apple comes along with the iPhone? Uh, you know, the, the innovator, many times the disruptor, I mean, wh- why didn't Yellow Cab come up with Uber? 
There, there's no reason for ESPN. Sports Illustrated already had a reporter at the game, you know, but but how they defined their world was we are a magazine, but what we really wanted was sports information and commentary. And and so, it, Adam, to your point, I, I, I think you're exactly right. The, the mindset and, and the approach that is institutionalized in most organizations really don't change until something happens along the way that that blows them up or, or challenges them. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a little grocery store in Southern Indiana. My folks owned the one grocery store in Crothersville, Indiana. And the funny thing is the things that my dad did in that store that ensured its long-term survival didn't really happen until we had big box competition, you know, the first competitor in our town. And, and so I, I think, unfortunately, sometimes we, we need something to shake us up to move us to where we need to be. Wow, that's a powerful insight about your dad, because I bet a lot of what happened was, you know, for years, everything was yeah, fine. Right. <laughs> hey, know? why change? You know? And then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. Real quick, I was going to say, not only why change, but why make less money to invest in a problem we don't even right. see yet? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Bam. Yeah. That, that's that, absolutely Adam. Yeah. And you know, I I would love for you to share with our listeners the what you talk about in your book, your new book, Iconic, which is these four cornerstones of distinction. Um, and I know you have a whole book on it, so we can't get into everything. <laughs> but if you could give them a preview of kind of what those are, I thought that was such an interesting way to break it down. So can you oh, help you. us clarify that? Yeah, as I was researching this, I found that there were four things that companies did and and even individuals in in their own career. It was a pathway that that seemed to unify, regardless of the industry, regardless of the profession, um, of of what you needed to do to stand out. And and the first uh, cornerstone, and and there's a reason it's first, is clarity. Uh, You you can't differentiate what you can't define. And if, if I'm not clear about what I'm doing that makes me superior in some manner to the competition, then there's no way in the world my customers are going to get it. You know, if I, if I don't get it, how in the world are customers or team members going to get it? And, and part of what I was realizing was that, that the, the distinctive organizations, you know, that even have great competitors find, find a way to, to differentiate themselves based on the clarity statement. I mean, you know, Domino's for many years was your pizza in 30 minutes. Well, they don't use that anymore, but we still think of Domino's. That, that's embedded. It's clear. If you want a pizza that's hot and fast, then now that's who you call. But Papa John's came along and said, better ingredients, better pizza. And it's perceived in the marketplace as having a superior product. Now, Papa John's delivers and Domino's works at having better pizza. But by putting their flag in the ground and being clear that this is what's most important, with Domino's delivery, with Papa John's quality, that separated them from the myriad of competitors out there in, in, in their specific marketplace. It made them stand out to customers. What made Apple stand out to, to a great degree was ease of use. You know, I, how many people said it just works? Uh, mm-hmm. Every I remember, you know, people coming back to our, our little rural town in Indiana that had been to Disney World before others had gotten to go, and they said, "Oh, it's so clean." <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody's friendly. It's so clean. And so the clarity of purpose, the, the clarity of what we are that, that makes us stand out has to be the first principle. That's the first cornerstone. If you're not clear 
uh, about what separates you from the competition, that's where you begin. Then the second one is is creativity. So now, how do we how do we take a twist on on what's happening in the marketplace? And one of the interesting things too, I found out in the research was it, it, we tend to think of creativity. Oh, we're going to blow it up and we're going to you know start all over and we're going to make. It, it's not that way at all in business. The example that I use in the book is Enterprise Rental Car. You know, when when they started that company in the basement of the old St. Louis airport, they were just looking for a way to be creative because they were competing against the the big players like Hertz and Avis. So what they did is make a list of every single point of contact that they had with their customers. And there's 13 of them. They're all in the book. And they said, let's just take one and do it differently than everybody else. And as we know, they pick you up. Right. Rather than make the customer come to us to get the car, what if we brought the car to the customer? Now, there's zero product variation in the rental car business. The Ford I get from Hertz is identical to the Ford I get from Avis. So they found a creative way to just put a twist on on what they were doing. It only takes one thing. If you can find one thing unique and compelling, customers will respond to that. Third is communication. There's a lot involved there, but the most important aspect of it is the power of narrative telling our story, having a compelling narrative. And, and we hear so much about you know generational change in the workforce, more generations now than ever before that are working for us, that are buying from us. And, and one of the interesting aspects to me is that, that every bit of research that I've seen says that a compelling narrative works equally well with all the generations. It's really the only tool, you know, whether you're a baby boomer, a millennial, wherever you are on that scale, we, we all love a compelling story. And But, but we haven't educated and helped organizations or individuals learn how to use the incredible communicative power of, of story. And, and the fourth and final one is a customer experience focus. We have to be obsessed over what it feels like to, to do business with us. And, you know, those who, quote, crack the customer code, unquote. <laughs> Nicely done, sir. <laughs> Shameless plug there. But I mean, you know, what you guys are talking about is really what it's all about. I mean, it, it, that experience transcends transaction. And and it is the key. It, it, earlier, Jeannie, you mentioned, you know, in a business plan, one of the things they want to know is growth. Well, what is growth? It is, it is the mixture, the combination of retention and acquisition. Right. I mean, if we keep losing customers faster than we can acquire them, we can't grow. Uh, If we don't acquire new ones, we we can't grow. Well, well, what is the surest way to retain and acquire customers? It's it's a compelling experience that your current customers are not only willing to repeat, but they're also willing to refer. And and so when we create that kind of of just amazing, I mean, our, our little business owns the trademark, uh, the federally registered trademark on the term ultimate customer experience. And so when you create that ultimate customer experience, n- now you're giving customers a reason not only to uh, come back and buy more, but also to be your advocates in the marketplace that, that help ensure your growth. So those are the four, clarity, creativity, communication, and customer experience focus. Love it. Yeah, those are, Love it. Those are fantastic. And you know what's Thanks. interesting when you talk about a yeah, sort of a compelling narrative cutting across generations. That was actually sort of a question I wanted to get to earlier, but we were sort of moving past it, which is when you look at the different generations, when you look at sort of how to segment customers, whether it be generationally or by interest group or by just interest, 
how does that, how do you work on being iconic, you know, to multiple different sort of strata <laughs> or uh, breaks of your customer base? Because I was thinking about the Porsche thing you're talking about and like my dad would love that and that would not be for me, right? The, the car yeah. a month thing. So how do you, how does Porsche stay iconic and still satisfy the people who want to own their car for five years or 10 years and the people who want a new car every month? Uh, great question. And, and the, the one thread that I see running through this, but yet that most organizations and individuals are, are woefully uh, under-equipped to deliver is to let the customer define what's important. Here, here. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's as it, simple as that sounds. I mean, for example, we know that some generations like face-to-face better than anything. Some want to get, you know, information via the snail mail. Others want texts. Others want phone calls. Why are we not asking customers at, at the onset of the relationship, hey, how, how would you like for us to communicate with you? What, what is what is your preferred method? And then constructing the communication with that customer just, just based on what they want. What, why do they have to fit into our box? And, and that is what we've woefully fallen short of with customers is to allow them to define the experience. Adam, you, the other thought you triggered is one of the phrases I hate, I, I hate, is, is when people say we exceed customer expectations. And, and then you say, okay, so, so what's your customer expect? Well, we think what they expect. They haven't even asked their customer. They don't know what their customer <laughs> expectation is. How do you exceed an expectation that you're not? What if customers think you're going to suck, right? Oh, we're going to exceed that. Right? You know? I mean, wow, setting the bar really high there, aren't you, Sparky? You know, I mean, it, it, and, and those are the kinds of things, the cliche patterns that we fall into of we're going to exceed customer expectations. I, I, uh, there was a financial services company that asked me to work with their top uh, professionals and and then work with kind of the A minus B plus professionals because what they wanted to do is to isolate what separated the A plus performers from the B plus performers. And one of the qualities that we found was the B plus performers said, what makes us different is our experience, our customer experience, where the A plus performer was very precise about what it was about the experience that separated them. They didn't say mm-hmm. what separates us is our experience, our, our client experience. What they said is what separates us is how we do this for you or, or how we customize the relationship based upon what your needs are. And it, it was really revealing. We that, pick you up. You know, it's, it's that cliche. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, our people are our greatest asset. Well, how come then you treat them like an expense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's These so true. We fall oh. into that, that inadvertently take us down the wrong path. Well, get, get your groans ready because I'm going to say that was a fantastic distinction. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm loving that one. That's <laughs> you can say that all you want. Adam. <laughs> Thank you. And you know, our expectations were pretty high, but you still exceeded them. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say so that much. too. <laughs> this was great. And I really do recommend your book to everybody who's listening. It's really well done, well researched, everything else. And if they want to know more about you or where to find you and some resources, what's the best way for our listeners to find you? Oh, I, I appreciate that, Jeannie. Thanks for asking. Uh, the information about the book is at iconicbusinessbook.com. Iconicbusinessbook.com. 
And if you'd like any more information about me and the speeches and everything else there, it's just scottmccain.com, but it's spelled M-C-K-A-I-N, a little bit different spelling. So it's scottmccain, M-C-K-A-I-N.com, has, has all the information about our business and the programs that I do for organizations and how individuals can subscribe to our uh, program on distinction. Excellent. Excellent. Well, and as always, we will make sure all of that is available in the show notes for everybody to find it there as well. So Scott, thank you so much. This was just a delight. And thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us. It was a real privilege. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Scott. (sighs) I'm still thinking about everything Scott talked about. I know. That, yeah, that was a it lot, was a right? Lot. That was we really got a lot of great value, and you know, Scott Scott's been working with some of the best companies, and I think when you do that, you get such incredible real world insight, which you know is my thing. I like that real world kind of approach. Uh, you really get that from it, and it just comes across in everything he says and how he approaches every different topic. Yeah, I agree, and I also think that. I think he trusts that people are going to do the right thing if they know what to do. (laughs) And so the way that he approaches this whole subject is really about giving people the tools to do it well. And, um, you know, we do live in a different world and we have to keep up in these different ways. And so that's why it's so important to keep really examining what's working today, what what's working Um, today that won't work tomorrow? What do we need to do to stand out in this incredible marketplace that we all live in now that lives everywhere? It's on our phone. It's on, you know, the traditional channels. It's everywhere. And so what can you do as a brand to really stand out in both who you are, but also how you treat your customers? And that's something I think everybody can really sink their teeth into and think about what are you doing today that you know won't really serve your customers tomorrow? And what can you do right now to be more iconic, to really focus on those cornerstones that he talked about, be more creative, focus on customer experience, all of those things? Because if you can answer that question, you're already ahead of some of your competition. Absolutely. And the thing is, you don't have to do it everywhere. I love the example he gave about enterprise, about they had 13 things, they picked one. What's mm-hmm. the thing you're going to remember us for? So right. don't get overwhelmed by it. You can find that one thing. What's that one point of differentiation that's going to make you stand out? Just like Domino's, just like Papa John's, as he pointed out, they both do the other right. the other company's thing, right? Right. But they're known for the one thing. And I right. thought that was a great message to take away. So I'm going to challenge you, Jeannie. Can Uh-oh. you create a distinctive outro to take us away? I wish I had Scott's voice right about now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah, me too. Right about now and all the time. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. (laughs) If you haven't subscribed, what are you waiting for? Our subscribers get newly released episodes immediately and our undying gratitude. And that's distinctive, I think. What do you think, Adam? (laughs) Very distinctive, Jeannie. Very distinctive. (laughs) Crack the Customer Code is a proud member of C-Suite Radio, so be sure to check out all the great business content at c-suiteradio.com and c-suitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our trademarked customer experience investigation process and more at experienceinvestigators.com.
and take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.